Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network where we dive deep into Wildbo's most shortest work, five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. That's a good uh, little pause, but our audio software is going to cut it out, Elliot, I'm afraid. (laughs) Um, We are here to talk about Judgment 16.6, but before we do that, are you aware that we're about to do a 24-hour live stream? And not just because it's a stupid idea, but for charity. Yeah, which is the good part of the idea. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, uh, there's a link in the show notes under this episode. Uh, We can get all the details on what that charity is and all, all the kinds of wacky stuff we're going to get up to for 24 hours to uh, yep. try and raise some money for them. Yes, we've got a whole bunch of segments. One that we'll tell you about today is Maggie's Madness, which is a segment kind of like a, a March's Madness, but with Maggie, <laughs> where uh, Maggie Holt is pitting all the characters of Pact against each other. And we have to decide who's who the winner would be. Um, so we'll answer conclusively who's the best character in Pact. Yes, and of course we'll be relying on the audience at that time to help us. Uh, and, and actually, not just the audience, uh, Scott Daly from We've Got Ward, uh, who is a bit of an expert, having run March's Madness last year, is is stepping in to help us manage the brackets uh, as we in the audience debate uh, which character is best. Yeah, and that's just one of many fun segments that we'll be doing. So check out yeah. the schedule if you want to see more. And uh, let's get into the episode. Let's do it. So um, Judgment 16.6, the group has just escaped to run through some fire to get away from some demons, and they're kind of collecting themselves after their narrow escape. Rose is kind of filling in some of the gaps about, hey, what the heck's going on? Literally, because there's gaps everywhere. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I love the the very sort of, like, the, the way this chapter starts by taking a step back and Rose is just sort of observing the, the place. Um, like, it's really well written. Um, this is a chapter that I, that I think was really about establishing this battlefield that is presumably going to be where the, the ultimate final boss fight takes place um and you you know rose rose already starts to notice that there's something weird about the clouds and the sky above it which is yeah seeding this really fun idea in our mind um but the bit that really captured my imagination the most here was just how rose notes the highway is still cutting through town cars and trucks are just going along it and like nobody's noticing a thing and it's just it really sets this tone of how alone our goodies are here like because they're the ones who are already kind of under the thumb of the lawyers and barbatorum it permeates this sense of um no one's coming to help you no nobody else knows or cares about what's going on here yeah Um, and it's it's interesting because it feels like the scale of this problem kind of feels world ending but it's actually not and that's kind of what this is reminding us of right it's not the world isn't ending it's your world is ending (laughs) yes yeah exactly like i think that's what i really like about this finale is um pact has always just dealt with a a little corner of of this world and it would be a bit over the top i think if it was suddenly all all of existence is under threat um and, and so what we've got is kind of there is this larger concept of all of existence is under threat by the demons yes but our climactic battle is still just stopping them taking one small parcel of of the world um and so it's it's still it's still epic and big in that way because it's part of a bigger puzzle like this fight that they're fighting but it's not the whole thing yeah it, it's interesting i quite like that we've kind of scoped our stakes down a little bit at the start of this chapter even though it still feels very life or death yeah well and and it 
you know, as you as you said before, it's their world falling apart. Like it still matters so much to everyone we know because especially yeah. since Toronto got brought in, it's it's all of their lives. That yeah, are and at it, stake. it kind of feels like it makes it more insidious. Like if Rose dies here, it's not the world isn't going to end. Like it's not going to be the she's not going to get the kind of gratification of everyone suffering because they didn't help her out. Everything's going to basically just continue, but be kind of shittier. And it's mm. like it kind of it feels like it makes it more insidious to me, which I like. Yeah, and isn't that just so perfect for this story? Like that's yeah. it's just it's it's just really good. And um and I I really like the way this highway kind of gets you thinking along those lines uh as the chapter opens up. Yeah. Um another uh weird thing I guess that happens at the start of this chapter is the group kind of starts talking about Isadora and and they seem to come away with it with the understanding of like yeah, she might bounce back from this bout of madness obviously it affected her harder than everyone else but she might bounce back and Mm. i mean like yeah true but they left her like with the demons right (laughs) (laughs) i don't like that's not the problem the bouncing back from the madness isn't really her biggest problem right now uh yeah exactly it's sort of like you know if somebody gets like shot so you put them behind enemy lines and it's like hopefully they'll recover from the bullet wound and it's like that's not their problem anymore um yeah she um i mean yeah i don't know i'm I'm keen to see whatever isadora is uh next time we check in with the people in the church do you think that's a series wrap on isadora <laughs> um i not conceptually because i think Paige will probably have to deal with it assuming she makes it out i like i don't know i'm sure we'll mm. see something i i don't know how isadora is going to be doing maybe this will be good for her you know a bit of madness to um work inside <laughs> chill that her out yeah, work inside that order and kind of, you know, stop her being so by the books. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like, it's... It, it, her. This is this is a very quick version of, like, a buddy cop comedy where, like, you've got the straight by the books Isadora and, like, this reckless demon. Um, <laughs> and, and they meet yeah. in the middle. Yeah. I'm sure that's what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so obviously the other thing they talk about is how the visions they were having when, um, like, the, the screaming demon from last chapter was going yeah those are still there a little bit and and rose thinks it might actually be another demon or something who was doing it but um yeah i mean obviously what's going on here is is jacob's bell is being torn apart at the seams uh a bit uh which they think will make it easier for the for you know the lawyers or barbatorum to do whatever they want to do which uh is something we get some more clues towards later in the chapter yeah yeah um so (laughs) mag sends evan ahead to scout under a bridge and we don't really (laughs) understand what's going on until suddenly evan lights up and goblins just appear and mag's just like (laughs) freaks out at them for trying to ambush her on tonight of all nights (laughs) yeah it had real like angry mom vibes to me like Like she's um... disappointed in them for it yeah um yeah uh, it's interesting what you said there i i I kind of pegged this like i think this bridge has been established as a goblin den so concretely in the book like it was in signature and then it it even came up in uh the phasal slash johanna's interlude in yeah the end of arc 14 so it's just like the moment they're like at the highway bridge and say hey evan could you just go and like light light a fire under that bridge i was like i eat shit you dumb goblins (laughs) um and, and I mean, it works out exactly how you want it to. Like, I think that's the best thing about goblin humor is 80% of it is just kind of exactly where you think things are going to go. And it still yeah. just works because they're such incessant assholes at it. <laughs> yeah, it works so well. Um, and so, yeah, we get some goblin humor, but also Mags binds these goblins. And it makes me think like, 
you know, this whole arc has been them losing their resources piece by piece. And suddenly they've got this small, like, gain in resources, which is just a handful of shitty goblins. And I'm so excited for them to play some integral role in winning the day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess with Rose, uh, piloting the ship, I would be worried for their sakes about just being pawns, uh, as Blake would put it. Uh, they're, you know, they're the expendables. I mean, they're expendable, but they'll be expended like beating these demons which is a noble end um yeah i mean you know again it seems like they're going to be making that call for the goblins which true true you know but also they're they're goblins i it's it's hard to land on the exact morality of this when when goblins are goblins but um Mm. yeah I, i think i think the introduction of these these goblins and sort of the humor around them really emphasized to me how clever Walbo's been about having like multiple sources of humor he can play off of like particularly in this chapter we've got the goblins uh Peter also has his moments Evan has some great moments especially with green eyes and yep. it's this way like Walbo can now have little bits of humor multiple times in the chapter and and, and cut through bits of tension but it's also not it doesn't feel overdone. Like you can imagine if it was Evan every time or Peter every time or the goblins every time and it was happening three to four times a chapter, you'd sort of start, it'd start to grind on you a bit that it's like, why is Peter still doing this? Why is, yeah. you know, Evan? Um, so the way the way they sort of all kind of take turns, I think is really clever. Yeah, you're right. It's a good way to set up, to keep levity while not making it so blatantly like, um, blatantly obvious that we're just hitting some comedic beats to mix it up a bit yeah well and not just that it, it also gives those characters room to have beats that are non-comedic like if yes if peter true. was the only source of comedic beats it would be really hard to slip in the non-comedic ones uh whereas you know because they're all taking turns balancing the comedy they also get to do other stuff like peter has a bit of a genuine moment as close as he's going to get probably uh to a genuine moment with Paige yeah. before this uh over isadora and you know there there's room for that because other people are taking up the slack with with being funny as well yeah, it's a good point. Um, there's this other funny bit you alluded to Evan and Green Eyes' conversation where they're kind of, you know, poking light fun at each other. And um, that conversation ends in the text with Rose ignoring the rest of it, which is so <laughs> annoying because this is exactly what I want. I just want more Evan and Green Eyes banter. Um, and, of course, Rose just tunes it out. Yeah, and, I mean, I think the thing that jumped out to me about this was, do you remember when Blake used to do that to human conversations? I think it was in Arc 13. Um, So, yes, I agree. I'm pissed off at Rose because I always enjoy Evan and Green Eyes banter, but at the same time, this seems like a good sign to me because we definitely saw it as not a good sign when Blake was like, human conversations, boring. Um, So the fact that Rose is leaning more towards the human side, maybe maybe good thing is too good, but it's, it's a... It's better than, than what Blake was doing in Arc 13. That's a low bar. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. She, she she then actually goes through the party that she's amassed and she kind of points out, you know, oh, all the humans are my allies. She doesn't say it in these words, but if you look at all the names she lists off, she basically says yes. the humans are my allies and Blake has all the others. Yeah. And then Mags is kind of in the middle, um, which is just perfect because she's the amb- ambassador, but she's also like holding herself together through this role of ambassador and presumably lost a lot of herself so she isn't quite human probably yeah Um, and she's obviously got quite strong ties to blake as well which i think makes rose a bit uneasy about calling mags her ally 
But I think that's why, like, that's why it works. Like, it fits into this metaphor because Mags is kind of halfway between Blake and Rose, but and it's not just because she's the ambassador, but it's yes. also because she is kind of halfway between human and other. Um, like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's good. You're right. It is this. It's it, it's interesting. Rose is setting herself up as ally to the humans, even though she's really bad at being human. I guess. Well, I mean, Blake made her better at it right like i guess that's that's part of the thing is blake is yeah blake has improved her on that front like i wonder if i wonder if this scene might have played out differently if blake had never possessed her yeah yeah um so the group gets to johannes's i suppose domain um and finds it as this very weird kind of detached astrological space (laughs) yeah it's it's so cool yeah it's awesome, isn't it? Um, before we get to that, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the idea that Rose also notes that she still has some Blake tattoos on her, although they're very faded, um, yep. which is kind of confirmation of Blake, you know, either intentionally or unintentionally doing something similar to Conquest, where he doesn't fully give up all the ground that is ceded to him. Yeah, like that's basically what Rose s- says here. Is she's like, hmm, he hasn't quite gone all the way back in his hole, um, and. Y- she speculates a little bit on um, why he might have done this. Yeah. And, you know, both explanations of, oh, he can't because it would damage us more, or mm, maybe he just doesn't want to. Like, I, I, I think both of those are conceivable. In fact, since it's packed, it probably is both. Um, but, I mean, this just gets, you know, my hopes up even higher that uh, we're going to get to see some actual Blake soon. Which yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. And, I mean, it's done the same thing to Green Eyes, too. She's... <laughs> I mean, because she noticed the shit out of this as well, which was very yeah. on brand. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's talk about this barber domain, right? Um, yeah. So the th- the thing that I kept noticing is there's no atmosphere, and this kind of manifests a few ways. People have this keep bringing up like, oh, it feels like I can't breathe properly, or Green Eyes mentions that smell and sound aren't traveling the same, things like that. So it feels like there's like no atmosphere where they are. Um, yeah. There's I, no I got stars. That there's these huge, like, planet-esque things above them. It's very, like, primordial Earth vibe. Um, yeah, but primordial packed Earth vibe, because, yes. like, I think the thing here is, like, f- physics is just a little broken. Like, there's yes. this, you know, there's these giant things that are planet-sized, but also they're not planets, and if you look at them, they start to move into your eyeballs well, or something, and, yes. and it's just kind of like, it, it's, you know... There's no there's no science here, basically. Yes, and so these big planet things that aren't planets, to me, those are demons, right? Like, this is what a demon looks like in its purest form before it was kind of contextualized by human. Uh, it, maybe that's not 100% supported, but the fact that they're not planets and they also, like, infect your eyes, which is a very demon thing to do, made me think that this is what is being said, that this is... The barber has kind of... You know, Johannes wanted things to go back to the good old days and the barber wants them to go back to the barber's version of the good old days, which is when <laughs> demons were around and humans weren't. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like, I didn't get that read, but I can see it. I, I sort of more had this idea of it as this is just what the primordial packed Earth were, mm. was like. And things were just a bit more fluid. And, and like that obviously aligns with the idea of these things being a bit more demonic. Because, yeah, as you mentioned, like the, the concepts were simpler back then of, you know, demon versus angel, yes. presumably. So um, that that line between it just being a primordial packed space and it being a demon may be a little bit blurry even. Um, yeah, true. 
but yeah i mean this is just like this is just the best idea like i think we just need to take the step back from like the, the little because i'd love to talk about like the whole physics of it like you know is science a human invention and part of our change in the pact verse like did science just not yeah. exist and we invented it by trying to create rules um like i could probably talk about that for hours but <laughs> um what, what we what we probably should talk about is just how perfect this is as like we've just we've just established how humans and as agents of change have been so impactful on this yeah. world and and really like made it what it is and given us a shot yeah and for our final battle we stepped into a place that has had that mostly stripped away yes uh it's gone it's gone back to the way things used to be and kind of so it's it's like the advantage humans had is kind of gone and we we see this manifest literally when a lot of the practitioners can barely practice for various reasons yeah yeah it's interesting isn't it and it is i mean again of course it's another perfect manifestation of um you know fighting against the grain of of uh of the old systems right we go we've gone back to we've basically fought our way backwards through time against each of the old systems <laughs> that existed now this is of course the oldest which is demons are here fuck you <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah this is making mara look like a real scrub yeah um, if only mara had there. realized basically her and the barber are 100 percent aligned on what they <laughs> want to happen i mean to be fair she wasn't really fighting against him that much for most of it so she yeah, may have true. realized that yeah um because that's the thing i mean she was in this continent well she was like the first person to these areas right that was sort of her thing so she she maybe saw a patch of earth that was closer to this. Yeah, true. Uh, when she first arrived. Mm, I um, like that. But yeah, I, I mean, I think the other thing I really want to talk about here is as well, like this transformation from what Johannes's domain was, because as a place that now represents kind of the the world without humanity, um, I think that's so perfect for what Johannes's domain was, which was both simultaneously something that was celebrating the power of humanity while also kind of removing them. Um, yes and and so it's like that 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 imagery of of someone celebrating humanity by trying to you know let others recreate the good old days has just been flipped completely on its head and had that humanity stripped out of it just like johannes has yeah 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 i like that the fact that johannes is now just a, a husk of what he once was and this is like a, a bastardization of his vision as well is quite fun yeah yes that that's a great way of phrasing it yeah um so the group comes across a genie which has been basically brutally murdered by barbatorum and then also a giant yeah they've been like smote smited yes. um in in the various sort of way like, I, I just pictured this like the show supernatural like the way the angels smite things where it's just this like this blackened scar on the, yeah. on the ground around them yeah um and like I, I, I really enjoyed this because we haven't seen anything in the in the domain up until this point, and I was kind of wondering where all the chopped up like things were. And then you yes. see this, and it sort of got me to lower my guard because I was like, okay, so for some reason he's just he's just killed them. Everything. Yeah, yeah. And and I was like, that doesn't make sense. So I was like confused, and that confusion tore me away from thinking where are all the half like vestige others. And of course, you know, just in time for them all to show up. Yeah, uh, let's we'll get to those uh vestige others in a bit, but I want to think about why these two have been smote instead of halved, right? I think there's a few possibilities. I think one that feels the most resonant is um they're strong enough that they are able to resist the barber and obviously another 
like others and demons aren't aligned, right? Like mm. I don't think an other, especially like a genie who seems to be more on the sentient side or even an ogre would want to align itself with a demon. Um, and so it kind of feels like these others were powerful enough to have a, like have a chance at resisting. And so Baba just fucking smote them, you know? Yeah. I, I think, I think there's even more to it than that. I think like, as you mentioned, like the djinn are, uh, wasn't a sphinx basically described as a bit of an artificial gin like yeah they're, they're similar in ways and yeah i think yeah you're right i think he would have been oh, oh, oh sorry i think a gin would have been less inclined to work with the barber and that's part of it but also there may have been less for the barber to carve up like he would have wanted like Interesting. You know, again, these aren't completely separate concepts but if you look at the thing like the the giant um i, I don't know if it's the same giant we saw before who had the pet dragon but like assuming yep. it might be you know if you if you think about the giant being killed and the dragon not it's because the dragon was just this sort of uh, you know more of a machine yeah much more machine. animalistic yeah and so it's much easier for the barber to sort of chop it up into two rage halves like he like he does with the ogre we're about to see whereas with the with the giant maybe you would have ended up with something a bit more blake and rose-esque like so mm. he gets less out of chopping up something that isn't already shit um yeah and and obviously he needed sacrifices for this diagram he's building, yes. but we'll, we'll get to that in a sec. Yes, I think that's probably it. I think it's, yeah. I think it's probably all of the above. It's like <laughs> yeah. he, needed, he needed some sacrifices, these guys gave him less to work with, and they were more likely to try and fight him either way. So it's yeah. like, well, you're dead. Yeah, it's not worth it. Um, I mean, you know, from a tactical perspective, this isn't the worst thing that could have happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um although as he's mentioned the dragon hasn't shown up i don't want to see what he could have done to the dragon yeah i'm sure it'll be fine but wait yeah you're right having having rage monster genies running around is would be worse (laughs) i'm glad i'm glad that's not a thing i i I just i just had a thought i want to jump in didn't the genies as well they they very explicitly dealt with the structure of things didn't they like remember that genie had the glass and it, it morphed it back into shape so I wonder if that they were just more opposed to to Barbatorum's things, like you know, just yeah. thinking why even a powerful genie he didn't want to slice a little bit out and then kill the remainder. He just there was almost nothing to work with because they're so diametrically opposed to what he represents as a as a demon of ruin. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I like that as well. That's another good explanation for it. I think. Um, so the group gets approached by an ogre, and they're kind of like, "What's up with this?" And they notice another ogre. And of course, these two ogres are bisected halves of an old hole. Um, and these ogres are making enough noise to draw a bunch more, a basic horde of uh, bisected zombie others that come after them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so I want to take a second here um, to quickly talk about what the ogres sort of hint to us about what the barber is up to, because it does seem like the barber has a plan. Yeah. And based on my understanding and fitting in with the gaps we saw outside the domain at the start of the chapter, uh, it kind of seems like the barber is looking to uh, expand Johannes's funland. God knows by how much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's going to be fun. Um, I guess they're going to have to stop the barber from claiming even more land. Yeah. It's kind of, th- this just totally proves Rose right as well. Like, Elder Sister's going on, it's like, oh, we could just leave. Yes. And give you, a- and let the barber continue, and it's like, no, see, look, this fucker's planning to expand this place. Like, Rose is 100% correct. Um, yeah. Yeah, you can't just ignore these problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the only thought I had here was, 
we saw that you know the rest of Jacob's belt became more vulnerable to the abyss as they chopped it up. So yeah. um, maybe the hope here, like, is this is where the abyss can come in as as an influence or a character even in in the end here, as if if the abyss is fighting the domain for claim of like Jacob's belt, like they're going to be fighting to push Jacob's belt into the abyss yeah um rather than let the domain have it i think that could be really fun so it's like just there's like you know same as like what we had with the um the contest for lordship where everyone changed their minds at one point it's like now now everyone's going to be like oh quick shit we have to shove everything into the <laughs> abyss quick yeah that conquest that contest for lord of jacob's bell has really gone downhill <laughs> um, well, I mean, it, it eventually reached the point where rose and are still like oh okay we'll do it uh, yeah i guess we'll take it yeah, and uh, we we declare it derelict and let's kill it. <laughs> that was their first act as joint lords of the of the town. Their first and only act. <laughs> I um, mean, well, technically, she's still the lord, isn't she? Her her and Alistair. I mean, they didn't get around to giving that up. Did yeah, they? true. I guess they need to sink it first. Yeah. Um. So yeah, let's touch on the fact that Barbatorum has basically um like industrialized his ability to cut things in half he didn't just do it individually like we saw him do in the library he's just done a big old ritual presumably with the energy from killing the giant and uh the djinn and like halved everything in the domain all at once yeah well i got yeah i like i i got the impression as well obviously since it's now his domain it's like his essence leaking into the space um so it's not just the ritual, but it's just that's what this place is like now. Um, Rose Rose calls it out as specifically designed for like altering vestiges, uh, which is m- maybe not good for her and Blake. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Um, I had this fun thought around this where um, Blake and Rose have changed what the barber did by like trading uh, traits. And maybe mm. that'll be something like maybe if he's not expect like, you know, there might be this moment where they get away with something because they don't work like the barber might expect. Yeah, because, the barber because... expects Rose to not connect with people, for example. Yeah, exactly. Like there might be there might be some moment where Rose does something the barber doesn't predict because Blake has been kind enough to lend her or not lend, give her um, all these all these aspects. Yeah. Um, and especially I mean, this is something we were just talking about before recording, um, but like a, a sort of extension of this idea was we've heard so much in this story about how you know you can't you can't repair what demons destroy like the destruction is permanent and it made me wonder if if humans are this third agency can you maybe not undo what a human has changed completely so like if if rose if rose and blake have changed themselves after what the barber did the barber may not just be able to Mm. undo it as easily i don't know like i'm not sure exactly how this would manifest in this instance but just maybe this idea i'm having of part of the reason humans are taking over and and you know we've seen it with with the angels as they're losing this battle it's like you can't just put things back to the way they were because what humans have changed isn't completely um you know able to be set back to the way it was yeah it can't be undone you can change things again and change them towards it maybe but it will never be kind of a a straight undo of it yeah and and there's maybe some angelic equivalent where like once a concept is created it cannot be completely destroyed i i don't know um but yeah i don't know i like this this idea of um maybe like because this this might be the downfall of Barbatorum as if if he's looking to extend this domain which is trying to put things back the way they were in a very primitive sense maybe the demons are going to have to learn that you can't just go 
right back to the way they were because what humans change can't just be unchanged. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Potentially that will come into uh, our final few chapters here. We'll see. Um, so the group kind of uh, is uh, running and trying to get away from this horde of uh, vestiges that are chasing them. <laughs> um, Lola pulls some tricky magic to basically teleport the group by yanking on a connection so hard that it yanks them along with it, um, and they are pulled away from danger for now. Uh, of course, they will still be tracked by this by the demons, by the lawyers, I should say. Um, yeah, we actually haven't mentioned that thing until now, but uh, kind of all throughout this chapter, uh, there's been a, a bloodhound demon lawyer um, chasing after them, and he almost catches them at this point. Yes, uh, but they escape, and we see some familiar faces as the mouse children come out of hiding, and Mags <laughs> kind of starts inter- interacting with them. Yeah, I didn't actually expect to see these guys again, but when it happened, I was like, oh, of course, um, like this is great, Like it ties into sort of you know the human element like i was just talking about how all the humanity was taken out of this place but that's not true here's some um yeah and of course it's going to play off rose fantastically it already starts to this chapter but i imagine there'll be more of that uh next chapter is kind of rose has to look at them and and you know look at some vestiges that have had their like you know gaps filled with mice and dogs and and whatever else yeah yeah it's interesting to think uh, not only is it a good chance for rose to uh reflect but also, it's interesting, I think it'll be interesting to see, as an example of what does it look like when the barber tries to do stuff to what is already basically a vestige, um, which obviously yeah. has implications for how the barber will interact with Blake and Rose as well. Yes, I mean, that was my other concern, is much like the goblins, these more pawns for Rose to uh, yeah. you know, sacrifice in her game. Yeah. I have a little more reservation about this being done to the vestiges than the goblins, which I don't know what that says about my moral yeah. code, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, Lola basically takes herself out of commission with this expansion of uh, ex- expenditure of power. So again, one less resource, but I guess we've got more resources in these mice children. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I wouldn't call that a net gain unless these mouse children have secret skills I don't know about, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're right, that has been a bit of a... They're doubly affected by panpipes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously that's been a theme, not not just through the recent part of the story, but really the whole story is, is people's, like, you know, using up all the power that they've accumulated. And um, I wonder what this is going to do with Lola uh, for, the, for the rest of this. Like, is she just going to have to hang out with Peter? Like, that's a fate worse than death. <laughs> um yeah i like i don't know it's gonna be interesting to see what what's done with lola from here because i think that'll be saying something about you know like all these other people like jeremy and, and just this system in general uh with which the duchamps kind of emblemize in a way yeah yeah um but that's uh the end of our discussion on 16.6 it feels like we've wrapped up the first half of this arc and now we're moving into the final half of the final arc yeah definitely as i sort of touched on at the start this was a chapter that was establishing the uh location that it feels like the next few chapters or you know the rest of the arc yeah the rest of the story uh, some may say based in yes (laughs) good point um yeah like you know they may leave again but i feel like the the layout of this place is going to be crucial for the end of the story yeah i'd say yeah um and so you're right this feels like the opening part to that segment yeah um and we'll have to see how it continues next time but before we wrap up our episode it's time to revisit some of the answers that were left to our discussion question which we were running which was talking about 
you know, what would happen if some other others were injected with a bunch of magical energy, like Evan was injected with fire energy. Yeah, uh, and so we got some great answers to this one. Yeah. Um, I wanted to start by pulling out the answer by all-seeing eye, mm. uh, number 70. Yes. Um, who was just talking about fairy that had been, like, superpowered by the Abyss, um, which I think we saw mention of fairy in the Abyss, but it didn't go into it much. Um, and all-seeing eye was thinking about, like, if you gave tons of Abyss energy to fairy and basically you know turn them into like super fairy boogeymen how might that represent and uh specifically focusing on the idea of like the fairy court all seeing i came yeah. up with this idea of um like a fairy traveling circus like a, as a mm. traveling circus as a kind of modern changed twist on the court um and basically this circus would go around kind of kidnapping people and and torturing them and testing them in much the same way the abyss does uh which was like a very fun idea in that kind of like ah uh, way yeah, it was a really cool idea and something that I f- that felt very thematic. Um, I really loved the idea that All Seeing Eye Seventy brought up about this like anti glamour powder, which was this uh, yes. glamour the idea of glamour but infected with the abyss, where instead of allowing you to change your appearance, it basically strips away characteristics and traits, um, and and kind of has you lose your defining aspects until you eventually, of course are not enough of a thing to exist and therefore fall into the abyss yeah yeah um i i also like the like thinking on it i like the idea of anti-glamour being something that maybe reveals the ugly truths of things Mm. um and and like and i'm not sure how consistently that would be able to manifest as something as awful as it would need to but um like i could see anti-glamour being something that kind of strips away the meaning of stuff i guess that's yeah. kind of what, what what you and all seeing i was just talking about but like yeah just just taking the concept of glamour and trying to invert it and make it something that's horrible in its own way was a very good idea yeah i thought that was very cool in all seeing eyes answer um another answer i really liked was from lunix uh who was <laughs> who was basically talking about what would happen if blake as in you know tree blake form was uh, heavily more heavily dosed up, I should say, on fear energy, which it basically takes what he was like in the murdering the Duchamp husband's arc and dials it up all the way. Um, yeah, uh, Lunix's answer is basically, what if arc 13, but a hundred times more? Yes, yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, yeah, he just, like, uh, Lunix, I really like this answer. It just turns into Blake is the ultimate movie monster rewarded for causing fear rather than actually doing damage. Yes, and I loved it because there are a number of points in Lunix's answer where they um, basically did this classic Wabo-style thing of, you know, logic their way to a classic trope. So yeah. um, the example I really liked was the hyena, if it gets juiced up, with fear maybe would cause people to panic and of course if people are panicking they're more fearful and they make more mistakes and therefore they're actually feeding blake more so of course he wouldn't want to kill them he would want to cut them a lot and let them just kind of panic themselves to death <laughs> and so now the the obvious kind of extension of that is now blake is a monster that kind of plays with his food in the way that horror movie monsters do and don't doesn't just kill people outright and it's so it's so perfectly like it's so perfectly just is a sequence of logical steps that arrives at a trope that seems illogical but is explained in a really cool way yeah absolutely um i loved that um i also like the the little idea of like if if this happened to blake his form would continue to change and obviously he became more tree as the abyss got more hooks in him yes so um like lunix started to wonder if if blake would become more tree than man and i guess turn into like 
you know, closer to a tree than an ant, I guess, but like one that still stabs you and stalks you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really like that. Uh, um, Linux also talked about the idea of Blake's motive probably being a kind of bastardization of his hunting the monsters, um, you know, drive. Uh, and I love this again because again, it feels like a, an, a logical explanation for a for the kind of trope of the archetypal horror characters, right? Like the this kind of the college student who is promiscuous or the jock who's a bit of a bully. And these are things that Blake could in a very heavily deformed state see as like monstrous actions just because they're a bit (laughs) shitty. Um, Yeah. And so these kind of misdemeanors in his eyes become reasons for murder. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we've all read arc 13. I could see that like reaching that point. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great answer. I loved it. Another one I really liked was uh, Beata Valor, who who talked about, well, they kind of led into it with this thought of, like, practitioners and their familiars are probably warded, or at least kind of prepared for or expecting traditional vectors of attack, right? And so um, dosing something with a powerful dose of, like, emotional spirits is probably an interesting and non-traditional attack, which might make it useful. And they give the example of um, Hilda being hit with, like, a big dose of joy emotion as a way of kind of guarding yourself against hilda who is kind of quite ruthless and aggressive um and i think beard of valor basically talked about a number of different ways that this might manifest which i think all seemed a bit wild and not necessarily (laughs) helpful but it was a fun idea and an interesting an interesting idea and i think the best part of this response was basically just thinking about what would hilda look like dosed up on joy like flopping around like a happy cute troll (laughs) yeah um very a very wardish answer uh, in some ways yeah. like this is obviously i think emotion powers uh, spoilers are, are something that is is fairly significant in a ward yeah um and and it made me go there a little bit in my head yeah yeah definitely um, so hybum seven uh takes bart sack and makes him worse by juicing him up on wind to create fart sack <laughs> um basically the 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 genesis of this idea according to sahibum was uh you know the way bart sack showed that he could kind of catch wind Mm. um in in 8.1 and so now rather than catching wind he's he's giving it off and yeah you know just you know the weaponized smells and other potential gas uses uh that you could get out of this was um horrible to imagine yes um but i particularly liked sahibum's line about how you know evan is leaking and um you know much like a fart so would buttsack he would he would slowly dissipate and become yes. less potent over time <laughs> Uh, which is a like oddly oddly poetic uh, image given the the topic. Yeah, it was beautiful. It made me tear up. Um, <laughs> so in two ways. Um, so yeah, I, I like this. It was very on theme answer, and I could totally see like a less experienced goblin king or queen kind of infusing Buttsack with like the the spirit of wind for some pra- practical purpose. Like, oh, I want Buttsack to be able to kind of jump up long distances or to be lighter to climb around, you know. But of course, his goblinness just kind of manifests this wind spirit in the worst <laughs> possible way. <laughs> it's very, it's the exact kind of thing I could see happening to a goblin impact, which is why I really liked it. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, I guess the final answer to talk about is one from Groby46578, who listed a number of possible ideas. Um, one that I think uh, came up a few times was the idea of green eyes with earth turning into a kind of land shark, which is great because we already had yeah, green think, eyes tumbling um, around through the snow. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I think Johansson or Juanson um, yes. already wait, oh, sort of brought up the same answer uh, in, in theirs, which is just, yeah, imagining 
imagining green eyes being able to use the ground like water basically and turning into a land shark um and yeah it's like i mean it's it's horrifying i love it uh yeah no yeah it's it's a cool idea and it plays off of green eyes already kind of tunneling through the snow and being great at like jumping out and catching people by surprise like it's perfect um also mentioned sorry sorry they they they, uh i think both these users also briefly went into how they might imagine it would affect uh green eyes's appearance Mm. um and uh, i mean you know horrifying ideas but both very fun yes yes definitely um Groby also talked about uh, the faceless woman infused with metal, which basically gives her knife hands as well as a cool other bunch of stuff. Um, and metal, I think, is a really interesting element in Pact because it is the new kid on the block. And so Groby kind of goes into how this might uh, impact faceless woman as a, you know, new version of a boogeyman. Yeah, like uh, just this idea, I, th- I think that Groby talked about was um, a lot of implements actually have metal in them. Um, yeah. which is like a connection i don't think i'd made before but i yeah. was like huh yeah they do that's that's interesting um and so maybe the idea that you know if the faceless woman was injected with metal she might be immune to other metallic effects and maybe become immune to a lot of practitioners workings yeah um which is like a really cool idea and and, and groby pointed out maybe you'd need to go and get someone like mara or a very old school practitioner to to try and take someone like this out yeah interesting i like that I like that. Yeah, there were a lot of really cool answers to this discussion question. It's the exact kind of one that I love. So thanks, everyone, for participating. Um, and hey, we've got a new one coming up. Um, and it's kind of a bit of an elephant that we wanted to talk about because one of the things that was discussed about a, a lot about Pact right after it finished and, and as it was going on was uh, the pacing and how it is a story that, like many a Wabo story, seems to go from bad to worse. Um, but I, I think a lot of people were put off over the course of Pact by its pacing. And I want to kind of dive into that and use the discussion question as an opportunity to talk about it a bit. So the question is, what do you think of Pact's pacing? Has revisiting it again changed your opinion on it? Yeah. What yeah. What are people thinking? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you know, if, if you're one of the people who has, has somehow kept up the pace with us and not shot off ahead um, and, and are reading it for the first time like me, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. People who are revisiting it, like how does it compare if you're keeping up with the podcast in time does it make a difference like i'm yeah i'm very interested to sort of learn like you know you know i'd I'd love to hear about people's experiences and how they read it as well as how they feel about the pacing so we can try and see if there's relationships there or something yes i know there are a few people who over the past you know month or so put it basically started pact to try and catch up with deep impact before it finished and i'd be interested to hear from those people as well what does that how has that experience shaped your kind of thoughts about mm. it yes although uh, you know as we're saying this i'm realizing um you know this this will not be a particularly scientific discussion question because if you've made it this far you obviously can't hate the story yes so, you know there's good if we're you've given get, up get... on pact and you somehow hear this leave an answer <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so no i i think this will be really interesting to talk to people because I, I have opinions on it though i guess we'll, we'll start to dive into next week but i'm interested to hear other people's opinions to sort of help try and clarify mine a bit yeah totally um so yeah if you have some thoughts on that discussion question and you want to leave them and uh participate in the conversation for next chapter or just leave us your thoughts on the show in general you can do that in our discussion thread which will be linked in the show notes down below uh yes as we already mentioned down the show notes below you can also find the schedule for all packed up there's a bunch of cool stuff in there it's set to your time zone um you can still send us ideas for for stuff to do we're always looking for backup ideas or 
uh, other fun challenges that yep. we'll, we'll start to announce as it's coming up. So, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, let us know what you want. Yeah, totally. Um, if you would like to engage with the show, you can leave your thoughts in those discussion threads or you can tweet at us. Our Twitter is at MediaMDPodcast. So head on over there, give us a follow and tweet at us and see what happens. Who knows? Yes. <laughs> Uh, the other place we can be found is on doofmedia.com. I mean, we're not actually there, but there's stuff about us there. Yeah, we're on there. Um, We've got our photos and bios on there. That counts. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and so all the details for all the other fantastic shows on the Doof Media Network. Oh, yeah? Um, Name some. Okay, I will. Um, <laughs> we Want More is our newest baby. Um, or Actually, it's not because it's been going for a while, but it's yeah. just joined Doof, and we're very excited about that. Yeah. It's, it's a great fit, and, um, you know, it, it gets to sit alongside the other new show on the network, which is obviously Matt and Scott's Kingslingers. Yes, both great shows. Um, and, you know, we, we've, we've recently um, added two more shows to the Doof Media Network, and you know what that means? It means you're getting more bang for your buck. And so if you want to upgrade your <laughs> amount of buck per bang... You can go to patreon.com forward slash doofmedia. Because, um, of course, this is the, the way to <laughs> shut up, Elliot. It sounded natural, okay? Just go with it. <laughs> um, this is the way that you can support us. I mean, you know, we do these shows because we have a great community that enjoys them. So if you want to be a part of that community, head on to patreon.com forward slash doofmedia and get involved. Yes. And, of course, uh, Wabo has a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Wabo. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's how he makes his living and uh we need him to keep doing that so he'll keep writing so yeah. if you can spare some change he- uh, throw it his way yeah go do it um and uh because you have need to take some time to do that we'll we'll be off for a few days but don't worry we'll be back for judgment 16.7 and that will be on friday the 15th of feb so we'll see you then see ya